benefit to every person who hears. Lord, we pray that this message might go out over radio and Facebook and Twitter and whatever way you see fit to reach as many people as possible before Christ returns. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. We are in Romans chapter seven, if you brought your Bible today. Ameri Americans are divided over everything except division. That's the name of an article that I read this week. And they say eight out of 10 people that are polled say they believe this country is mainly or totally divided. The article is mainly talking about politics. But many things divide people. Position, power, money are on top of the list. And people fight and destroy others based on their religious views. They fight over inheritance. And you probably have had that in your family somewhere. Often members of the same family fight to get and to keep what they think is their property. If someone has different political views, bitterness and division are sure to follow. Family members will fight and quarrel and squabble over petty issues. And things divide churches as well. If a person feels highly about themselves, they express their opinions and get offended if others don't obey them. And sometimes Christians have falling out with other Christians that they disagree with over the silliest things. Here's just a couple of things that have caused church fights and even splits. A congregational meeting was called over whether to use canned or bottled grape juice for the Lord's Supper. Arguments erupted over what kind of beans to serve at the church dinner. Uh, this one uh, caused a big problem. Should the church serve Starbucks or Folgers? Members left the church who didn't get their way. So let me ask you, uh, Starbucks, raise your hand. Uh, Folgers, raise your hand. Church fight, there we go. One heated argument was over whether the church should allow deviled eggs at a church dinner. Arguments happen over who should have authority to buy postage stamps for the church, fights over who has access to the church copy machine, fights over whether to sing happy birthday every Sunday morning. By the way, it's Gail Williams' birthday today and so is Steve Brown and I'm probably missing somebody so that'll cause a fight. Divisions over whether to use real or fake flowers on the church stage. Disputes over whether to serve gluten-free communion. See, some thought that gluttony was a sin. Love for traditions separate people and churches. Jesus said to religious people in Mark 7, verse 8, you've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. And he said elsewhere that things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Another thing that divides uh, believers uh, is legalism versus faith only. Legalistic people believe our relationship with God depends on how well we follow the rules. 
Faith-only Christians believe our relationship with God depends solely on Christ's grace and mercy. And some even teach that Christians, therefore, don't have to obey God's commands because we live by faith alone. So do we have to obey God's laws if we're Christian? Romans 3.31, Paul says, well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Why? Why do we need to obey God's commands? 1 John 2.3 says we are sure that we know Christ if we obey his commandments. The person who says, I know him, but doesn't obey his commandments is a liar. The truth isn't in that person. In 1 John 5, it says to love God means we obey his commandments. Obeying his commandments isn't difficult. 2 John 1.6, love means doing what God has commanded us. He's commanded us to love one another. Revelation 14.12, God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. When we have faith, we're going to obey his commands and thus fulfill the law. Was the Old Testament law flawed and temporary and now should be completely ignored? In Psalm 19, verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect. It gives us new life. His teachings last forever. They give wisdom to ordinary people. The law lasts forever and does forever include today. It gives wisdom, gives new life, it's perfect. And Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.8, we know that the law is good if it's used as it should be used. See, the law itself is holy. Its commands are holy and right and good. So if God's law wasn't the problem, who was? We are the problem. You know, there are maps and apps. The Old Testament law was a perfect map to God. And some of us are old enough to remember trying to unfold and use a paper map in the front seat of our car in heavy traffic. And as it got rolled out, it took up half of the front seat. And you'd turn it over and over and search for highway street signs to see where you were. It was an early version of texting while driving. It was dangerous. And I remember my parents in the front seat of our car when we were kids uh, trying to control their tempers because dad would be driving and mom would have the map and he needed directions now. And us kids just stayed really quiet because we didn't want to get involved. Maps were accurate. They were hard to follow. but. Now, phone apps and car apps make it easy to use. Google Maps, Bing, MapQuest, Apple Maps. And you know the nice thing is, map apps never lose their temper. Those apps are filled with grace and mercy. They'll help us when we don't know where to turn. And satellite maps are good when we're hopelessly lost because the eye in the sky always knows where we are. Otherwise, it takes just one turn to end up somewhere that we don't want to be. Lewis Carroll wrote Alice in Wonderland, and he said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And you remember at one point, Alice was lost. Watch. 
go, please. Very well. Third course. Oh, no, no, no. Thank you, but, but I just wanted to ask you which way I ought to go. Well, that depends on where you want to get to. Oh, it really doesn't matter. As long as I can... Then it really doesn't matter which way you go. You know, we're bound to get somewhere if we just keep going. Where do we want to end up at the end of our journey? If we want to end up in heaven, we need directions. If we don't care where we end up, any road will get you to hell. God's positioning system, or GPS, says in Matthew 7:13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. The Old Testament law was a roadmap to heaven. It was impossible to follow. But Jesus is the eye in the sky. He knows where we are, and he tells us where to turn. And if we make a wrong turn, he treats us with grace and mercy, and he helps us get back on the right path. The Bible talks about the Old Testament map to God. Paul says in Galatians 3.10, those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse, for the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. And he's saying, it only takes one turn and you're lost. James said in James 2.10, the person who keeps all the laws except one, is guilty as a person who's broken all of God's laws. And you've heard a proverb that dates from 1786, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Which means if we're being pulled out of a pit and only one link of the chain breaks, what's gonna happen? We're going down. A chain is one unit, it's made up of many links, the law of God is, is one unit, and it's made up of many laws. You break one and you're done. And we are the weakest link in this chain to get to God. We're terrible map followers. Thank heavens, Jesus gives us many do-overs. He catches us when, he, when we fall. He strengthens us and gets us back on the right road. So now what happens when we break God's laws? You know, when some people get caught doing something wrong, it's always somebody else's fault. But God knows and he sees everything. We can't get away with anything. And he attaches a death penalty for those who break his laws. There are different views on the death penalty. President George W. Bush said, I support the death penalty because I believe if administered swiftly and justly, Capital punishment is a deterrent against future violence and will save other innocent lives. I don't think you should support the death penalty to seek revenge. I don't think that's right. I think the reason to support the death penalty is because it saves other people's lives. Nancy Reagan was asked what she thought about it. She says, I think people would be alive today if there were a death penalty. Abraham Lincoln was a lawyer. He said, law without enforcement is just good advice. 
Paul says in Romans 4.15, the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. He says elsewhere, the written law brings death. He says through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There's a penalty for breaking God's laws and somebody's gotta have to pay and that somebody is Jesus. And how many people are gonna get to heaven by keeping God's laws? The number is a nice round number. God thought it was theoretically possible to keep his laws because he said in Leviticus 18.4, you must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I'm the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws for the person who obeys them will live by them, I'm the Lord. He said in Deuteronomy chapter four, listen to the laws and rules I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you'll live. Now if we told our child to sprout wings and fly, we, knew, we would know that that's impossible. But if we tell our child to be good and obey, that's possible for a short time. And you might remember that someone came to Jesus with a question. They said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus replied, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. And it's true, if we keep God's laws perfectly, we can get into heaven. Unfortunately for us, the Bible also says in Romans 3.19, the entire world is guilty before God. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. It says in Galatians 3, no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. Since we have all broken God's perfect commands, we all need God's perfect Savior. Three times, Paul says we're not made right with God by obeying the law, and three times, Paul says, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Acts 13, 39, everyone who trusts in him is freed from all guilt and declared righteous, something the Jewish law could never do. Galatians 2.16, we know a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. We've believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. No one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. The Old Testament laws were limited by our ability to follow instructions. And if obeying God's laws flawlessly could make us right, Jesus didn't need to come to earth. Galatians 2.21 says, do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. If keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. What went wrong was us. Romans 8 verse three, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. We messed up. But we have an app that's called prayer. You might remember an old song from the radio. Listen. Operator, operator, information, information, 
And when we get off track, we can pray and get back on the road that we're supposed to be on. You guys liked that song, didn't you? <laughs> Romans 7 explains the purpose of God's law. In the first 14 verses of chapter 7, law is mentioned in every single verse. In fact, in the first 14 verses, law is mentioned 18 times. In the previous chapter, Paul said we have a new way to get to God. He said, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the argument or the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, the Christian and the law. Verse four, this is how it is with you, my friends. You're now part of the body of Christ and are dead to the power of the law. You're free to belong to Christ who was raised to life so that we could serve God. We no longer belong to the law. We belong to Jesus. And then Paul uses the analogy of marriage in, in this chapter where the death of our spouse frees a person to remarry. Our previous spouse was the law, demanding, unforgiving, but we are now the bride of Christ. An old hymn that you know the last, that you know the chorus to, but you don't know the verse that precedes the chorus, says, joy floods my soul for Jesus has saved me, freed me from sin that so long had enslaved me. His precious blood he came to redeem, now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus, Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. The law only condemns us, Jesus saves us, which is better by far. Romans 7 verse five, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. The law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, and it resulted in death. But now we've been released from the law. We died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Paul says we were living in the flesh, which is a Pauline phrase. He uses it 90 times. And John Piper, says flesh is any human action or achievement without dependence on the Holy Spirit. Living in the flesh is me-focused. Living in the Spirit is Christ-focused. Paul says that the law merely aroused us. You know, being told not to do something makes you want to do it. If you see a sign that says, stay off the grass, you know, our foot just wants to go over and touch it. Being told not to do something arouses us, like saying, don't touch me. This is a five minute video that we're only gonna show you a little bit of. Maybe. Don't touch me, don't touch me. He does to touch you, she does to touch you. He does to touch you. He does to touch you, he does to touch you, don't touch me. He does to touch you. Don't, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. And it goes on and on and on. Why did the little boy want to touch his sister? Because she says don't. 
When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. The law aroused these sinful desires and produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. Being told no by God makes the unsaved person want to do those very things. It seems that some people use the Bible as a checklist. They want to do everything that God forbids. If he says, don't eat that forbidden fruit, all of a sudden that's all they can see. But when we come to Jesus, we're set free from a death sentence. Romans 7, verse 6. But now, we have been released. We have been released from the law. We died to it. We're no longer captives to its power. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. ABC News reported about a lady named Alice Johnson. Alice is a grandmother who was released from serving a life sentence in federal prison, and this is her testimony. I was once told that the only way I would ever be reunited with my family would be as a corpse. But by the grace of God and the compassion of President Donald John Trump, I stand before you tonight, and I assure you, I'm not a ghost. I holler, hallelujah, my faith in justice and mercy was rewarded. Indeed. You know, by the grace of God and the compassion of Jesus Christ, we are saved. Any president can, re can release a few people from prison, but Jesus can set everyone free. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, new life has begun. So when we receive new life, are we still living under the law? Yes. Breaking God's law was what got us a death sentence to begin with. Jesus helps us to say no to sin going forward. The laws of the Old Testament tells how God thinks and what he wants. And all of the Old Testament laws are repeated in the New Testament in stronger terms except for the Sabbath laws. And Jesus said, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. We should find out what pleases the Lord and the Old Testament is part of knowing God. Romans 7 verse 7 says, well then, am I suggesting these laws of God are evil? Of course not. The law is not sinful. It was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known the sin in my heart, the evil desires that are hidden there. If the law had not said, you must not have evil desires in your heart. So what was the purpose of the law? Romans 5 verse 20 says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they are or were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So what do we take away? The law was like a doctor's report, and it shows a person what's wrong with them. It simply exposed what was killing people. Paul says in Romans 7, verse 10, I discovered the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. The law itself is holy. Its commands are holy, right, and good. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death so we can see how terrible sin really is. 
The law didn't heal, it just revealed. It showed us why we need a savior. I'll end with this scripture out of Galatians 3.23. Before the time for faith came, the law kept us all locked up as prisoners until this coming faith should be revealed. And so the law was in charge of us until Christ came in order that we might then be put right with God through faith. Now that time for faith is here. The law is no longer in charge of us. The law was and is a perfect map to heaven, but it was held by those who are lost, who can't follow it. But now we have a living app, and that's Jesus Christ. He shows us the way, the truth, and the life. He treats us with grace and mercy and forgiveness. And when we make a wrong turn, which we all do and will continue to do, he sets us back on the narrow path that leads to life. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. You direct us with grace and mercy and forgiveness. You don't yell at us, and you don't leave us in a lost place when we cry out to you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive this nation that was established on your word and by your principles. This people has abandoned you, and we see the fruit of that decision. Father, we pray that your church, that we, your church, will do everything you want us to do in the time that we have left to bring as many people as possible to you by all means possible. Use Sun City West Christian Church to your glory. Provide for us so that we can provide the gospel to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The people that God desires to share the good news to others.